This episode is brought to you by our affiliate Gemini. Gemini is a well-respected cryptocurrency exchange started by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. If you're interested in purchasing Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other altcoins, please check out their website at gemini.sjv.io backslash Moontower to learn all about it. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Moontower Business Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Obell, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Lucas Root. Lucas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Joe. Thank you for being here. Lucas, I hope it's okay uh, calling you, Joe. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's great. That's great. Uh, Lucas, maybe we can get started just by uh, maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit to listeners, uh, maybe talk a little bit about your background and, and stuff you worked on in, on your career path. Yeah, love it. Um, I, uh, I spent the first 17 years of my career on Wall Street. Um, while I was on Wall Street, I always had a side gig. The first two side gigs I had were real estate businesses, which were awesome um, and sort of set me up to be ready for entrepreneurship in general. Um, the third thing that I did after I was done with real estate, more or less, uh, was I launched a food blog. And the purpose of that was um, uh, very literally, I wanted to to engage in you know the internet of, of click porn. And I, I say that with all the love that exists. Um, because everybody knows that that pictures of food is is all of that, um, and I wanted to get good at building an audience and engaging with that audience, and I did. Um, and a food blog is a great way to do that. Um, and then coming out of that, I left Wall Street. I I left the food blog behind. I launched my own consulting business. Again, I I thought I was good at engaging with an audience, um, and so far it turns out that I was good. Um, I landed my first major customer, which I proudly display here over my left shoulder, the Pokemon company. I've been with them for six and a half years now, and uh, it's still going well. They treat me kind of like an outsourced COO. Um, the brands who typically hire me in my consulting business are brands who don't execute. So like the Pokemon company, uh, it would be somebody who wants to be really super focused on building their um, brand assets, and then releasing those brand assets to a partner like me, who executes that for them in the rest of the world. Um, another example of how that's done is how the Apple company exists in the world. So um, I, I wouldn't be able to have both the Apple company and the Pokemon company as my client, but those are perfect examples of who my client is. And so, so, so some of these clients that you that you help uh, with their branding, is it something that you you help get the message out in, in terms of marketing or, or what it, uh, what, I do what not help with branding. The Pokemon company is, is absolutely way better than, than I will ever be at branding. And so is the Apple company. I do everything else. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, and, and stepping back a little bit, talking about the food blog, uh, what kind of food would, would you, uh, include in this food blog? And then how did you kind of get the message out and, and, uh, and grow your audience? Yeah. Um, it was a fun experiment. Um, I'm paleo. I eat paleo. So meat and meat and vegetables and that's it. No grains, no beans. Um, and, you know, for those people that understand that, that's that that was my approach. Um, I'm an excellent cook. I always have been. Um, and sort of the combination of those two things, plus sort of wanting to learn how to build an audience drove me into that food blog. Now, I didn't really ever expect to monetize that. And in fact, I did not. Um, but 
what I needed to do was understand how to build an audience. And, and that is a, a finely tuned machine in the world today, building an audience and, and engaging with that audience. Um, and so first I started by getting on all the platforms that my potential audience is. Um, back then, that was Pinterest and Instagram. And my focus at that time was more or less to own the space for Pinterest and Instagram. So um, people, again, it's we call it food porn for a reason. People go after it. People look at it. People like it. People appreciate it. People talk about it. That's kind of a thing in our culture. Um, and uh, so I just cooked recipes and posted them up. Um, and as that started to gain traction, I started to add my own voice into it. Um, because what I wanted to do was engage with that audience, not just build one. Um, and so I started to add my own voice. I started to write long form articles from time to time. And I, I started to ask people to do things like um, go off Instagram and come over to my blog um, on the internet and, you know, take a look at the, the recipe that I just wrote or go off Pinterest and come over to Instagram and join me for an Instagram live, things like that. So I started to ask people to do things. It was all within the expectation of um, a food blogger, poster, recipe writer kind of thing. So um, it, they were small requests. But, but that conversation that I started creating where, you know, here's some content and here's an opportunity for us to actually talk about that content let's let's have that happen you're on mute sorry would, would you also do was it always always pictures of like things that you cooked or would you also do um you know would you go to a restaurant and those are a specific meal that you like did you share that as well i did um not as much uh, it was probably 90 10 my my own personal kind or more maybe even like 95 5 like one in 20 posts was at the restaurant and then how long did how long do you think it took you to kind of grow your audience? Was it something that kind of took off right away or is it something that kind of built over time? Um, a little bit of both. Um, so I was up to several thousand followers across multiple platforms in the first year. And that was awesome. And I was really excited about that. And then I, that was when I started asking people to do things like go off the platform or join me for a live or um, comment more, um, have conversations. And the, the process of changing them from an audience into a community, um, you know, where, where we're all working towards something like having a dialogue on food or having a dialogue on beef or having a dialogue on high quality chicken. Um, that process slowed down my growth um, on the platforms, but ended up creating really significant growth on my website. Um, so the first year I got to several thousand followers, um, I sort of peaked at, let's say, 6,000 total followers, um, which is maybe double what I got to in the first year. But um, by the end of the second year, I was hitting 10,000 month, uh, monthly views on my website, um, which is way bigger than I ever thought I was going to get to. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and it, and um at some point, you uh, you started a tequila company, the Juan de Leon Tequila Company. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? What kind of what was the inspiration behind it, and uh, you know how's it looking at today? Yeah. Um, so I didn't start it. I am a founder, but not the founder. Juan Juan de Leon is the name of the founder. He's a man. He's um, he's Mexican. Um, he himself has been 
a, a passionate member of the tequila world for more or less his entire life. It's, it's heritage, it's family to him. Um, as an adult, he's consulted with a number of different brands and helped them build, you know, quality and, and uh, brand assets. Um, and then over the past 20 years, he's been more or less trying to put together all the right ingredients for him to be able to launch his own brand, Tequila Juan de Leon. Um, once he launched that a little bit over a year ago, he reached out to me and said, you know, I need help with this. Come on board. Let's do this. Um, and that's how I got involved. So I am a founder, but not the founder. The founder is Juan de Leon himself, uh, the namesake of Tequila. Gotcha. And where is he? he is he located in Mexico? Um, he lives here in San Diego. Okay. Gotcha. And then so you have uh, that, that uh, the tequila is available in San Diego at a couple stores? Mm-hmm. It's available pretty much anywhere in San Diego. And um, we're spreading very slowly across the state of California. And we're available um, online uh, at um, Old Town Tequila or Wooden Cork. Uh, both.com, the so oldtowntequila.com, woodencorp.com. Gotcha. And what was that experience like kind of working on a, on a tequila company versus other ventures you've worked on uh, before? You know, um, it's actually been amazing. Uh, the te- this tequila is phenomenal. I've been, a, I've been a tequila lover for probably about 10 years. Um, I, I was a scotch lover before that. Not that I hate scotch at this point, but once I discovered tequila, my, my world changed. I was like, this stuff is amazing. Um, so for those of you who are listening and are scotch lovers, find a tequila lover and go do a tasting together. You'll, you'll discover that um, tequila can be every bit as awesome as scotch can be. Um, so, I mean, our, our tequila is amazing. It's, it's as good as any other great tequila I've ever had and, and better than most. Um, and being involved in a brand that, that is so focused on quality like this is something that I really appreciate. I've worked with the Pokemon company for six and a half years. It's this sort of the same thing. I really like working with people whose sole focus is bringing the best possible quality to the market in a way that the market's interested in consuming it. Um, and Juan de Leon does that. Another thing that's been very interesting. So um, prior to working with Juan de Leon, I'd never accepted working with a company pre-funding. Um, and what's interesting here is I'm pretty darn good at my job. Um, I have had to come to terms with the fact that at some point in a company's life, uh, money is far more valuable than experience. And typically that at some point happens pre-funding. And so being on the Juan de Leon team, I have a lot of experience that I can bring to the table. But ultimately, what they need the most is um, people who are willing to pound sand and knock on doors and money. And that's it. And experience really has very little additional value um, until you get to a certain point. And, and we're not there yet. And, and that learning process for me has been really powerful. Gotcha. Um, switching gears a little bit, you, uh, you wrote a book, um, Strategy Guide to Thrive in Business, uh, Failing Forward to Success. Uh, can you touch a little bit about, uh, touch on that and what inspired you to write that book? And, uh, and, you know, what, what's, uh, what, what do you talk about in the book? Hmm. I, I love that book. I think it's, I think it's great. Um, I, I think that everybody needs to read it. Everybody. Uh, I, I wrote it for entrepreneurs, but honestly, I think everyone needs to read it. Um, there, are, there are four things that I talk about in there and, and they're, they're really valuable. Um, 
broken down it's um, the different major pitfalls that entrepreneurs are going to have in the process of starting out their business. And um, first and foremost, and this is first by a long shot, what, what comes second is a distant second. First is make sure that you have a plan to have your bills paid for at least the first two years and don't expect the company to be able to cover those bills. It's got to be an, another plan, another source of, of funding. Maybe it's your savings. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's you know um, your pension, whatever it is. Like However it is that you have funding to make sure that your bills are paid for the first two years. Otherwise, your business has no chance. It, it's, it's just reality. If you can't cover your bills, your business isn't going to make it. Makes sense. Um, and, and I think people undervalue that or pay less attention, or they assume that they're going to be able to get cash flow out of the business, or, you know, they, they believe that wishful thinking is going to fill the gaps. Um, and I wish those were so, um, but realistically, they're not. I've heard six months, but I think two years is more realistic, honestly. Yeah. You, you got to have a way to cover your bills. And look, living, living with your parents is a valid way to cover your bills, as long as that's tolerable to you and to them. But you got to be realistic about this. You need a way to cover your bills. Gotcha. Um, and that's first. I get, again, number two on the list is a distant second to that. If that's 80% of your focus in launching your business, you're, you're probably starting out on the right foot. <laughs> um, number two, you, you, you need to be uh, realistic about the fact that you don't know anything. Really. I mean, it, it may sound like a slap in the face. It's not. It's not intended to be. You just don't know anything. And you're not going to know anything until you have literally millions in revenue coming in. Everything before millions in revenue is just guessing. Yep. Is that a bad thing? Fuck no. Everybody has to go through guessing. It's part of life. Like we, we make a guess, we move forward that, you know, we, we adjust. That's sometimes we stumble, sometimes we succeed. We're not going to know which one it is before we start moving forward in any particular path, but, but you have to guess. Um, and you just don't know anything and, and don't hang your hat on the fact that you do know something. Cause trust me when I say you don't, you, you just don't know anything yet. Yeah. Um, and number three, get started. Don't wait, do it now. <laughs> Make sure you got your bills paid, but, but, but get started, get out there. Um, again, you don't know anything and because you don't know anything, there is no perfect. It's going to keep trying. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to pivot. You're going to change. There's going to be a difference between what you thought when you started and what you, what you get to when you have a few million in revenue and you finally know something. Um, guaranteed. 100% guaranteed. Sometimes the change will be huge. Sometimes the change will be small. But, but, but you can't know at the beginning. You, you just can't know. Gotcha. Um, and number four, you have to be able to build an audience. That's huge. I mean, that's how you make sales, right? That's how you get the product out. That's how you get visibility and, and grow your company. Otherwise, who's buying your product? Exactly. There is no, not in this world, there is no, if you build it, they will come. Um, after the industrial age kicked off, that disappeared. And, and we all need to be used to this. Like, you can't just show up in the middle of downtown, build a general store and, and know that it will succeed because the people need it. Um, most of our basic needs are covered. And they have been for a very long time, which means there is no, if you build it, they will come. You, you got to get in people's faces. And the only way to do that is if you're good at building an audience. Now, um, it doesn't have to be one person who can do all of those things. 
you, yeah. but you need someone on your team who knows how to build an audience or who is passionate enough about it that they will learn. Yeah, that, that definitely resonates with me. I mean, I, I started a uh, sunglass company and the first thing I realized is I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Nice. And, you know, yes. you, just, <laughs> you know, I, I just try to figure it out. You start calling yeah. people, you start sending emails, you, you, you know, speak to whoever you think might know something in, in this industry. And if it's an industry that's kind of new or, you know, doesn't exist and it's even harder mm-hmm. and you just kind of stumble your way through it. You keep trying and trying and, you know, I, this company that I'm working on is still going and I still don't think I know anything, right? You just, you keep going. And I think uh, arguably growing the audience is, is one of the hardest things. Fi- yeah. Finding a way to, to, to get exposure online, navigating social media, different social media platforms, they have different algorithms and hashtags and things you use to try to grow your audience and uh, gain followers and engage with your audience. And, and it's like, you can't do it all either. I mean, if you, you, you try, but I mean, you get, you can only, there's only so much time in a day. And I mean, I feel like just social media and, you know, getting the word out itself is a, just a full-time job by itself. Hmm. It really is. It really is. Um, I read a statistic recently that the average CEO spends the first two full years of their business 100% of a full-time job trying to raise money. That's it. Wow. Yeah. I've heard that too. Yeah. And I believe it. Um, Two things to keep in mind. um, And this is a different perspective than what's in my book, although it's still covered. Um, The first is uh, you, you don't need to raise money and you don't need to raise money until you've at least gotten through um, your MVP. And you have some customers, um, unless you're trying to build an infrastructure technology. That's the only time you need to raise money before you have an MVP. If you can't self-fund your your MVP, um, investors are going to have a really hard time swallowing the idea that they should be funding it for you for less than, I don't know, 80 or 90% of the equity, which you're not trying to sell. Right. Um, so number one, like, don't don't go after funding until you know you have something. And again, you don't know you, you know nothing. You don't know what you have, but you know you have something. I have something. Here's here's the thing. Let's all go out into the market together. Come along, investors. We've built this thing. We know we have something. Let's all go into the market and and see what we can turn this something into. And that's right. what a that's what a series A pitch really should sound like. That's it right there. So number one. And number two, I'm I'm so sick of reading hear this. I am so sick of reading that product market fit was the reason a company failed. Pardon my language. That's bullshit. It is not the reason that a company failed. Um, I I've said this in four different ways. Now Um, you don't know anything until you have millions in revenue. And by the time you have millions in revenue, if you don't know how to serve your market's needs, it's your fault, not the products. Makes sense. And I think that people who talk about product market fit in terms of the reason for failure, those people are being mentally lazy and not taking responsibility. Yeah. No, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, well, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so where can folks uh, find your book? Uh, it's available on Amazon only. Um, you can either go on Amazon and search for my name plus strategy, or you can find a link to it on my website, uh, lucasroot.com. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, 
what was that experience like for you writing a book? Was it um, was it something that kind of came to you naturally? Is it something that you kind of uh, had to work out over time, or what was it? You know, did, did you find it challenging? Hmm. A little bit of both. Um, I love writing, and I I love narrating. I love letting my inner voice come out, and and so that part actually was really easy. Um, taking my inner narration and turning it into something that is easily consumable and, and, um, organized, that was really hard. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the process that entrepreneurs, not just authors, but entrepreneurs are going through all the time. You know, you have this inner narration of what, what the market wants and you take that inner narration and you turn it into something that's consumable. Yep. Um, so you also do speaking engagements. You have, uh, you have a course on your website. I think at least one course I saw on your website. Yeah. Um, and you're a consultant and your coach. Can you talk a little bit more about the other services that, that, that you offer uh, to, your, to your customers or potential customers? Yeah. Um, if, you, if you like the way that I present myself and if you like the message, then call me up and we'll, we'll put together a speaking engagement. I'm in. I love it. I talk about a number of different things. I talk about starting businesses. I talk about my course, which is how to work from home and, and sort of all of the different productivity uh, approaches to the world, how to be efficient, how to be effective, how to build schedules and routines, make sure that your day um, gives you what you want out of it. Right. Most people think that a schedule is to get to what you need. But trust me, when I say this, you're going to get to the things that you need. Have you ever tried to not go to the bathroom for three or four hours, like doesn't work. You're going to get to the things that you need. A schedule is not about getting to what you need. It's about getting to what you want. Gotcha. That's great. You know, great way to put it. That's, that's the truth. Yeah. And I think little frame shifts like that, where I talk about, you know, scheduling as a tool to get to what you want or, um, Stop talking about product market fit. Those little frame shifts, those are the things that I try to bring to all audiences. Um, and I do it through my course. I do it through my book. I do it through um, talking on, on uh, podcasts like this one with awesome people like you. I do it as a speaker. And then coaching, uh, you, can, you can find me on Credibility Nation. Uh, that's where I do my coaching. Um, and we do a really cool uh, mastermind, and it is truly a mastermind. Everybody in the group is is working together to lift everybody else up. It's it's actually really amazing. Um, and we launch that every quarter. So we just had a launch about a month ago. We have another launch in two uh, two months. Um, and you know, go to credibilitynation.com and start checking me out. So you work with uh, companies and individuals as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. So my my consulting is is for companies and and the coaching through Credibility Nation is with individuals um, in a group format. I don't do any one on one, but uh, but yeah. And are the individuals you work with typically like entrepreneurs that are working on starting a business or already have one or trying to grow it? Yeah, typically they have a small business and they're trying to grow it. Um, a lot of times, what they're looking for is uh, advice either on. This is just the way it has taken out advice either on um, business model and how to execute that business model or um, how to build and engage an audience, both of which I'm pretty excellent at helping with. What do you personally feel are their biggest weaknesses in the individuals that you, that you talk to that are entrepreneurs that, that you feel they need uh, improvement on, generally um, speaking? 
broadly, uh, they have a hard time accepting that they are the business broadly. Um, yeah. yeah, I am the business, uh, you know, SGIC consulting, which is the name of my consulting company. I am the business. People don't hire SGIC consulting. They hire Lucas group. Uh, SGIC is just the name I'm working under, but they're hiring me. I am the business, um, credibility nation, the coaching, nobody hires Credibility Nation to do coaching. They hire me. I am the business. And Credibility Nation is just the umbrella that I'm working under in, in order to do that coaching. Um, I am the business. Um, Juan de Leon tequila. You know, people are buying great tequila, but they don't have to buy our tequila. And in order for them to choose to buy our tequila, they're buying the story. They're buying Juan. They're buying a, a man who is passionate about his product and, and has spent 50 years of his life putting together the absolute best possible quality that he can at scale so that we get to appreciate that because they can buy other tequila, but they're choosing to buy our tequila because they're buying Juan or they're buying me, right? I am the business. Um, and, and that's the thing I think broadly that people have the hardest time with and understanding that everything else that we talk about, understanding that it all comes back to that. Your customers are buying you. Yeah. I mean, I could see that, you know, like folks who just think, well, it's, I have a product, I'm, I'm selling the product, people are buying the product and I'm over here behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, you're the one that's, you're the conductor, right? And, and at the end of the day, it falls on the conductor on how the performance turns out. Mm-hmm. And that's true until you hit tens of millions and maybe even hundreds of millions in revenue. And the, it, there is a switch at some some point, somewhere between tens and hundreds of millions in revenue, that that it's not you anymore. Now you're just the face of the brand, but it is actually the brand, right? But we're still filled in this world with examples of at the Apple company or Nike or you know you name it, where people are actually buying the brand, and we're like, I, I need to launch the brand. It's not me. It's the brand. You all have to remember that Nike started out as Phil Knight a man who was making his own shoes himself and selling them out of his, the back of his car. Now, it's true that that was in the early 80s, literally 40 years ago. And over the course of those 40 years, it has stopped being Phil Knight shoes under the name Nike, and it has become Nike shoes, right? Or Nike apparel now. But it started out as Phil Knight, and he was the business. He was the business. He was living in, in his parents' basement, if I recall correctly, and he was... Uh... Doing that, showing up to uh, to uh, track events and, and selling his shoes to uh, to different teams that were run- runners and coaches and stuff like that. Yeah, he himself was doing it. That's exactly right. And we've forgotten that because there are so many incredibly powerful brands that that help us to forget that until you get to tens or hundreds of millions, and the number is a sliding scale. It doesn't really matter what that specific number is, right? But until you get there, you are the business. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And so, uh, what kind of feedback do you get from your uh, from your clients that that uh, you know that you work with or individuals that uh, are having these challenges, and you you kind of help them work through it? They they love me. <laughs> I mean, could I say anything else? <laughs> but 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 truly, they love me. Um, I did I did only one group last year. And uh, there's a testimonial video available on CredibilityNation.com. So you can go check it out. Um, they, they absolutely loved it. That's great. 
Um, is there is there anything else you would like to highlight about uh, the services that you provide to to your customers or clients um, that that we haven't talked about? And what is the best way for folks to reach out to you or follow you online? Mm. Uh, LucasRoot.com, my website. Um, my Instagram is at Luke Root, just because at Lucas Root was taken. Uh, so at Luke Root, L-U-C-R-O-O-T. Um, and Instagram or my website are probably the best places to find me. If you're a LinkedIn user, you can find me again. My my username there is Luke Root. So LinkedIn.com forward slash I am forward slash Luke Root. Um, and one more thing that I'm very proud of over my right shoulder here is EOC, Elements of Community. I've just started and launched my podcast where I am um, exploring the magic of creating, building, engaging a community. Excellent. Excellent. How's that going? How, how's that process? Um, it's, it's awesome. We have uh, eight episodes recorded already. The first one launched yesterday. So it's available for your listeners to go check out if they're interested um, in understanding about creating and engaging a community. That's great. Listeners, I, I highly encourage you to check that out. I'll put a link to that as well on the show notes uh, so folks can uh, can learn more about it and listen. And I uh, encourage listeners to check out uh, Lucas's book and uh, check out his website and consider uh, reaching out to him for, for a class or for coaching or speaking engagement. Awesome. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, uh, sharing a little bit about yourself and uh, stuff you're working on. And um, I wish you the best. And uh, if you're ever in Austin, uh, let me know and I'll treat you to some uh, some great barbecue. And, oh, uh, yeah. and I'd love to uh, have you on the podcast again sometime. Yeah. Yes, please. You know, funny. Um, for those of you who are not in Austin, I, I haven't done this in a couple of years because of COVID, but I used to make truly, no joke, an annual pilgrimage to Austin to eat barbecue for a week. Once a year, every year. Well, that's awesome. Listen, I was actually going to, uh, I, I ask a lot of listeners this that are from Austin. Um, and I'll ask you this now. It's typically my last question that I ask uh, guests from Austin is what's your favorite restaurant in Austin, Texas? Um, Ironworks. Oh, yeah. The, the, the beef ribs at Ironworks are crazy good. <laughs> I, I 100% agree with you on that. Great barbecue spot. And I was going to say that too. Beef ribs is my favorite there. Oh my goodness. They are, it's nuts. Like they're, I, I can't say enough good things about them. Yep. Wow. So I did, yeah. You, so you'd come uh, to Austin and get some barbecue here. That's, that's great. It's yep. the barbecue so, capital of the world. So count me in because, because, you know, pretty soon I'm going to be interested in getting back to my annual pilgrimage for barbecue. <laughs> please do. Please do. We'd love to have you. Yep. Awesome, Lucas. Well, thanks again for coming on the podcast and uh, well, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. Yeah, this was great. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by our affiliate Gemini. Gemini is a well-respected cryptocurrency exchange started by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. If you're interested in purchasing Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other altcoins, please check out their website at gemini.sjv.io backslash moon tower to learn all about it thank you